Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode five of Backup Stories. My name is Justin Townsend. As always, I'm here with my good friend, Mr. Rob Neumeyer. How's it going? Rob, it's been a weird week. Yes. Uh, Comic-wise, not that big. No, no, it was a very small week in terms of books. Uh, movie news-wise, quite the week. Yes. And so... Uh, quite, a, quite a bit of trailers, yeah. like a lot of trailers. A lot of trailers have smacked us in the face in the last week, and I guess that's where we'll start. Uh, let's go in order. Uh, I think it was about a week ago. It was Monday, actually, that the new Ant-Man trailer came out. Mm -hmm. uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, I'm psyched. Uh, honestly, I and I think a lot of people don't have expectations for the movie. Um, but look what happened with Guardians of the Galaxy. I know. The only thing about Ant-Man is it's like, I mean, I, I had the same worry about Guardians. I've actually had the same worry about most of the Marvel movies. I mean, Guardians was the one that was like really out there. and. Uh -huh. You know, Ant-Man, they're, they're doing, like, right away, right after that, which seems daring. You know, it, it makes me nervous. They lost the director, but, you know, I, I trust Marvel when it comes to director stuff. The first trailer they showed, there wasn't really that much humor in it. Um, it, it was, like, the, the, the bits that were there were very dry. Uh -huh. um, it, like, I don't think I've been this nervous for a Marvel film since the original Iron Man. After I saw a, uh, the a trailer or two for guardians. I got like a really good feeling. I was like, Oh wow. Yeah, they're going to knock this out of the park. It was just like a feeling that I had immediately after watching the trailer after the first Ant-Man trailer, I was like a little bit unsure. This one's helping me get on more firm ground about it, but I, I'm still as nervous for this film as I was for the original Iron Man. You know, I, I think it, it's going to have a lot of humor that we're just not seeing. This was the first trailer that there was those couple of, yeah, there was a couple of jokes. Things, yeah. I think it's it, there's you know it, it's going to be there and that that's what's going to win everyone over. I liked when it was Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd. And, uh, Paul Rudd's like, I'm done breaking into places and stealing stuff. What do you need me to do? And Michael Douglas is like, I need you to break in somewhere and steal something. Uh -huh. It was perfect. Paul Rudd makes sense. Uh -huh. That was that was like when I saw that I I started feeling a little bit better about it. Yeah, the 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 last shot, the Thomas, <laughs> it's Thomas the train. I actually didn't see that the first time I watched it because I was watching it at the ball game with my dad. And so like the service wasn't great. It wasn't coming in completely clear. And I just, you know, I, I didn't stick around until that after the, you know, the date, I think it's July something, the 16th or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they showed that part after it. And when I got to watch it another time or the second time I saw that and I was like, okay, that's pretty good. I'm very happy. Yeah. Like I, I I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited for it. Whereas before it was kind of just like, Oh yeah, that's right. Ant-Man's coming. Like I only could care about the Avengers right now, uh -huh. but after watching it, like I, I, I'm pumped up, I'm, but I'm, I'm nervous. Like I, I'm a little bit anxious about it. It makes sense. But <laughs> the best thing is, is like, we're both absolutely not star Wars fans. Nope. I've, I've seen the movies, but I just don't have like that passion that true star Wars, star Wars fans have. Um, and that was just released yesterday. Yeah, I must have watched that trailer. I'm not even going to exaggerate. I've watched it about 25 times. Are you serious? Yeah, like, I, well, I'm, I sit there at work all day, and, like, I like the sounds. Like, I like the music <laughs> in the background. So I just rewind it and listen to it a bunch. And, well, like, the first time I watched it, um, I knew that uh, I think it's the Star Wars experience. The convention's uh -huh. going on in Anaheim right now. And, you know, like, it's, it's one of those things. I've talked about it when we talk about the Star Wars books, you know. I am a very casual fan when it comes to Star Wars. I have no ill will towards it. Same thing with Star Trek in a way. It's just those like, you know, uh, for nerds, it's like, or, or geeks, like, and I, I wear that term with pride. Like, it's like you, you have your pillars. You have like, 
you know, comic books, uh, video games, and then it's usually Star Trek, Star Wars, and then like, you Doctor know, Who. Doctor Who is another one of those that I'm on the outside looking in at. But like, I, 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 I've dabbled in, in Star Trek and Star Wars, but never really grabbed anything on it. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we like the books. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like getting excited. I, no, I thought it was exciting when that trailer came out like four or five months ago. And so we were talking about it and you're like, oh, they're about to show the trailer. And I was like, oh, I, I guess I'll watch. And so I went to the website and uh, it like for, of course, it froze for me. But then Twitter's so helpful. It was up like 10 seconds later and I watched it and I was like, I'm I, like, I feel like I'm going to cry. Like, I don't even like Star Wars. And I completely got what they were going for. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, like I said, like I've between Knights, the Knights of the Old Republic game and the old Battlefront games. Uh, that's where I got most of my lore from, uh, not the movies. So to be excited seeing this trailer, it, it, it was weird for me. Um, but I, I just love the look. I think, uh, cinematography is absolutely beautiful. Um, man, it it just looks great. Yeah. Like I remember seeing the trailers for the, the prequel movies and like none of those had, the feeling that this one had and i know that people have problems with jj abrams you know hardcore trek fans don't like the way he did those movies but me not being a hardcore trek fan like i like those movies like i i i've never really seen the original one so i, I didn't have a problem with them so like seeing <laughs> J, yeah well seeing jj abrams name attached to this i was like i i like that dude so the, the, you know i have a feeling this was going to be good but like watching it and like i have a bunch of friends on twitter now who are big trekkies um and or excuse me, uh, Star Wars fans don't want to don't want to don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. Now. Um, they were like in tears over it. Um, you know, Matt, who's a friend of ours in, in California. Uh, I know he was at the convention. Um, and he was like jumping up and down ab- about it. And like, it, like that magic that people talk about when they when when people talk about Star Wars, like the hardcore fans, they talk about like that magic that that the films have, and like I've never really experienced it, but just like you, you've had those three original films, and then the, the the what was it like eighteen years between eighty three and I think it was like ninety nine when the prequel, uh, the first prequel came out, like the wait for that, right? But like those people who went and saw it in eighty three, like they're finally getting the continuation of the story mm-hmm. that they went and they saw, you know, uh, you know what happens after Return of the Jedi, and that this is finally picking that stuff up. So like for us as like big Marvel fans, like if this would be like if the Avengers, like you know, Infinity War comes and and it happens in a couple of years, and then we have to wait for 30 something years to for the next film to come out like the excitement was palpable you could feel it like everywhere i looked i i could feel the excitement of this trailer and it it did its job like it, it uh after avengers like this is the next movie i want to see yeah i mean i'll definitely be there opening weekend oh I'm absolutely sure. and then we have our last one which is actually just was fully released officially uh, released officially so, yeah. released 10 minutes ago uh we have the uh batman v superman dawn of justice trailer uh which um well like it originally aired this morning like there were leaks of it last night but i didn't catch any of them and then a friend of ours hugh sent us a link this morning where i was watching it uh while brushing my teeth this morning it was like because i knew it was going to get taken down right away so i was like let me at least see this and it was on you know shaky cam but that's whoever that dude was it seems like he drank 50 cups of coffee because 
he could not keep that. No, it's, like a, it's, it's a very simple thing you're doing. Like I, I, I always find that so amazing when people are, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to take this video so that people can see this no matter what, well, no matter what it is. And then they would just shake the camera all over uh -huh. the place. I think what, it, what would have made it 50 times better is if he held it vertical, at least he held it yeah. the correct way. God. Uh -huh. All right. So my thoughts right away is I had just got done talking and like thinking about this star Wars trailer that you see. And it like, it just brings a whole mess of emotion to you. And this trailer left me completely flat. And so like, now that we've seen it, we were, we were discussing like, all right, how do you want to talk about, about this on the show? Because we saw like a bootleg cell phone video, but before yeah. the show started, we actually got to sit and watch the real thing. And I don't know, like I am not as hardcore, uh, a hater of man of steel as other people associated with the site. Like I own the film. I don't think it's perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I find it watchable. Um, I, I like it. I, I find it like actually beautiful to look at, which is what like, you know, I go to see a summer popcorn movie about, and I'm like not the biggest Superman fan in the world. So, you know, I, I realize the issues people have with it, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's as bad as people say, but man, watching this trailer, I'm a little bit, a little bit worried. Like, uh -huh. and by a little bit, I mean like I'm really actively worried now. Uh, yeah, it was dark. I guess you could say it's not even the fact that it was dark uh -huh. for me. No, I'm I'm just saying not dark in terms of like grim and gritty. Like it literally, was, it, was it was in the dark. Dark, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which for Batman, you know that that makes sense. Like if we're, if we're going to be hanging out in in Gotham City, and the thing that the thing that gives me serious pause, uh, it's the way the film looks visually so far. And I'm not a huge Zack, uh, Zack Snyder fan. Like I've seen 300, I, you know, I've seen actually a lot of his films, like the style in 300 works in 300 that like slow down very, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, like it, the, just the word artistic. style, like yeah, artistic, you know, stylized, like you have a person on the screen, but like, there's really nothing behind them. It's just like always like light behind them. There's never anything really there. It's like uh -huh. the green screen. Look, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, it was super prevalent, uh, prevalent in sucker punch, which Rob and I talked about. Um, but in man of steel, it really wasn't there that much. Like it, the film had a definite style to it, but it wasn't like that you could, that the whole thing was filmed in front of a green screen. Like it not, it didn't look like 300 in a way. And this trailer watching it, like we got a lot of money shots of Superman, like catching something with both arms and like holding it up and like moving in slow motion. And it's just like that. That makes me kind of nervous. Almost everything was in slow motion, other than uh, the where the Batwing flies down. That's right? true. Yeah, that I mean, it looks nice, but like I want, like to me, that like if the film's like that, it doesn't have any substance. Like three hundred has a little bit of substance, but most of the time you're looking at like this looks crazy. And like, I want this film to be more than just like, look at all these gorgeous shots that we made up. Like, uh -huh. I, that's what man, well, if Man of Steel succeeded in one thing, it, it made me believe that Zack Snyder could do a film that wasn't about that. Even though there were really beautiful parts of it, it was, that's wasn't what the whole film was about. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, because I remember when the first Man of Steel trailer came out, or even the teaser, like everyone was amazed and happy. Oh, yeah. Um, so especially this early, I mean, we're still almost a year out at this point. I know. Uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, like to, to say that, you know, I don't like a trailer. That's fine because they, it could be just snippets of 
you know yeah things that could not might not even be in the film but your trailers do do that correct yeah so you know as in terms of just judging the trailer i don't enjoy the trailer and i hope the whole movie is not like that that that's you know that's what i could say about was there anything that you saw in the trailer that you did like uh I don't mind how the suit looks. You know, I like Batman suit. Okay, I liked Batman suit a lot. Uh -huh, there's think. there's that feel that um, scene where he's like stepping out of wreckage. Yeah, and I was like, okay, now that is a bat suit. Like you look at that and you're like, 100, that's Batman. I mean, the Nolan films, they kind of took their own spin on like a what a, a real looking bat suit would look like, but that a looks a functional a bat functional suit. bat suit. Yeah. And this looks this looks real nice. Yeah, I like the short ears. Uh, you know, some people are bothered by that, but it doesn't bother me at all. I, I like how it looks. I like how, you know, you saw the one shot of Ben Affleck in the suit. I think he looks great. Uh, the, the, the ideas are what the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, the concepts that Batman may be the back, uh, the bad guy in this film is kind of running rampant right now. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't think about that at all, you know, batman v superman it's like oh they're gonna they're gonna fight and then they're gonna come together at the end and save the day because that's it's the, this is leading up to the justice league uh -huh. and that's every superhero team up is pretty a misunderstanding. much understanding yeah the avengers was that you know let's all fight and punch each other in the face and then oh wait we we should punch other things in the face instead and now we're a team that's all good and fine but it seemed like the, the tone that they were setting was about batman you know um the feeling of helplessness sometimes makes a man go cruel and like I'm hoping that that's not the whole thing where it's just like Batman is just like a jerk the whole time and like, you know, doing a vendetta against Superman. So I guess, I mean, we're, like you said, we're a year away and this is our first real look at it. And it's a teaser. I don't think it's like a minute and a half. Yeah. So, you know, it's an opening salvo for what the film, you know, is going to look like possibly. Um, I think the re the reaction, I mean, people are just happy to see the two characters in the same space. Let's see. Let's see more. Like you know, it's it's hard to to judge off one teaser, but you know, it was just a little bit disappointing to not have that that excitement. Like uh, even like we said, like as non Star Wars fans, like we felt that excitement, and like that's what I was kind of hoping to feel with this was like come away like yes, like I'm pumped. Instead, I feel like okay, I'm a, a little bit worried. But like you said, we'll have to wait and see. Yep, and yeah, that, that, that's all we that's can it. do. That's all. That's that's all we can do. So that's it for the movie stuff. Let's get let's get into the books. Let's get into the books of the week. Um, I'm going to start, yes. and I'm going to start with some stuff I actually got to pick up last week, but didn't get to read it until this week. I'm going to start with Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, this is volume one. This is from Image. It's uh, Mark Millar and Frank Quietly. We've talked about Mark Millar on the show. We're going to actually talk about him a couple times tonight. Um, I'm a fan of Millar. Rob is not... No, I, I like his stuff. He just pisses me off in terms of his lateness and uh, just his nonchalance towards, you know, making making a deadline, I guess. Oh, say. I mean, that 100% makes me angry. Um, Jupiter's Legacy started, I, I think that, man, where's the forward? I think this started in 2013. And mm -hmm. that's crazy. It, it, it had to have. Yeah. It, I read the first two or three issues and then never got to actually go back. No, it's April 2015. That's because this just came out. Um, so I read the first two or three issues of this, and it pretty much deals with the idea of, you know, it, it opens up in the 30s um, where um, there's these people on a boat, 
and they're going to an island and the the, the lead character is like the island is calling to me uh-huh. uh, and they go on the island and they come back and they have superpowers and they pull America out of the depression and then it jumps forward into present day where they uh, you know two of the heroes married had children and it deals with the children uh, and before we go any further spoilers oh yeah that's right we're a spoiler show yes same thing as last week <laughs> So expect spoilers. Uh, expect spoilers from here on out. From here on out, with the rest of the show, yep. because we're not going to hold our tongue. Yeah. Uh, so I really like this. Like, you know, I'm a fan of Millar, but this is probably one of my favorite things he's done. I, I put this right up there with Old Man Logan and Superior, which are my two favorite things. Um, you know, I, I love superheroes, but getting like dark tales on superheroes isn't a thing that's done really well, and it's not done very often. Like getting that really dark spin. And this has a spin, like like there's a darkness. There's a darkness here. Like the, the main idea of the book is that the children are trying to overthrow the parents and they're getting ideas pumped into them that are going to lead to ruin. And we don't know that. Like, I, you know, only reading the first two issues of this, I didn't really know what to, what to expect. And you get the unexpected. Like you, uh, you know, there are characters that die. This, this book has a time jump that I didn't see coming and I had no idea, but this is just the opening, the opening arc of this book. Like mostly with Millar, you're getting a book like superior, like, or MP, uh, MPH or what was his other one? Super criminals. Or what was that one with a kick ass kick? Well, kick ass actually continued. But there was another one, um, criminal, not criminal. Want no wanted was one and done. There was another one with I can't think of where the there's a they got in a lot of trouble because they were like, what if Batman was the Joker? Do you remember oh, that tagline? Oh, I can't remember the name of that book. It's gonna come yeah, to but me that's later. Being continued though. It is. Yeah, it's been a couple of years since that's come out. Uh huh. I know. I know what you're talking. Nemesis. Nemesis. <laughs> there you right go. At the same time. Yep. Uh, so like I, I thought this was a one and done book. And I was wrong. When I got to the end, it's like, oh, wow. Like, I immediately want to keep reading whatever this is. Uh, Quietly's art is great. I mean, you have to be a fan of Quietly. He has a very distinct style. I absolutely love him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are parts where it's like, ah, oh, man, like, sometimes Quietly, some stuff doesn't work for me. But then you get to certain pages and you're like, oh, this works for me. His style, like, goes up and down for me in a way that, like, some artists don't. Like I could really, really, really like something, and then the next book I see, it's like uh, I'm not too sure. But this this ranges towards the good. Uh-huh. Um, is that like Ramita Junior? Yeah, I don't like any Ramita Junior stuff though. You never did like the no, old Spidey I, stuff. Even the old Spidey stuff, like that that stuff was in my mind. It was like okay. I was like, this is. I but coming into comics, I was like, I just don't like this art. But then I've seen some of his newer stuff, and I'm like, that old stuff was much better. Um. I say give this a shot. Like Rob, you know, I'm 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 convincing Rob to read it, you know, because he has his feelings on Malar. But like, I really think you should read this. It's like you've already read the first one or one or two. You said right? Yes. Yeah i I think it's definitely worth. I think it's definitely worth continuing because the the last two issues are the part that really made me go. I like this a lot. Like, there's the time jump that happens. Um, (laughs) The time jump because he had that long to write it. Yeah, pretty much. Like five years later, he's like, I'm going to finish this book. Um, I had no idea the last issue of this actually even came out. That's like, that, there, there was no hype around it. Um, it came out, and then I was like, oh, wow, they're, they're coming out with another book with the name Jupiter. And Rob's like, that's because they finished Legacy. It's coming out in trade. So I, I wanted to pick it up and, and read it, and I'm glad that I did. And now I'm, I'm giving it to you as homework assignment, but I want you to read this. So take it. 
So that takes us actually into what made me really want to get into it again uh, is Jupiter's Circle. So Jupiter's Legacy deals with the parents, uh, you know, getting old and now that the children, like it really becomes the children's book. But Jupiter's Circle is actually a prequel and it's right after these people get their powers. And the tagline for the book, even your parents were young once. Uh, different artists, uh, this is Wilfredo Torres. And it's a completely different style. Um, what would you What would you say this is like? Anything that comes to your mind right away? I would say like a cartoony noirish. Yeah, I was trying to like make a comparison to like another artist. Like, oh, uh, uh, like Daredevil, maybe a little bit, a little bit. Invincible. Uh, yeah, I could see Invincible. You know, it, it it looks like this is a book that could have been very easily drawn in like 1950, but just like modernized in a way. And it's gorgeous. It is super nice. Um, and it deals like, you know, it, it deals with a lot of things. Like it, it, it deals with these people with their, you know, having their powers and their, you know, they have secret identities. They're having to keep up their secret identities. There's um, their sexual orientation. Uh, some of the characters that, that comes into play in question back then. And they, they dive right into that. They, I mean, they dive into the tabloids and how the tabloids are like clawing at them. Uh, it's completely different from Jupiter's legacy, but it's a, you know it, it's another continuation of these characters in a way. And it's nice, like having read Jupiter's legacy first, it's it, it's kind of nice to see where they came from a bit. And uh, this is the first issue. It is going to be, I think, a mini because it's Millar, and most things are. And then hopefully he goes back and starts writing the second thing to legacy. Uh, so I say give this a shot. It's uh, it's worth it just for the art. And uh, I would, you know, you'd like to probably read this first and then read Legacy, but who knows when this is going to keep going. That's what I was just about to ask you yeah. is, do you think it would hurt the the potency of Legacy if you were to read this for, first? No, definitely not. I don't think so at all. Um, I, I think reading Legacy first is, is probably the right idea. Because, you know, you get to read that, and hopefully by the time that you, you actually go, you get it, you read it, you, you know, you sit down, you read it, that, you know, hopefully more issues of this will be out. But I, I think they, they're, they're far enough apart in, in time that it's not, it's not something that you have to worry about. Like, you know, you're not, you're not spoiling anything. Um, what happens in that book, you, you know, okay, it happens, and then you come back here and you see the characters before they die. Okay. So that's Jupiter Circle. Let's continue the Millar train. Oh God, I didn't realize we. Should, I didn't know we put so many books in a row. Um, quickly, let's talk about Chrononauts number two. Uh -huh. um, I, you just read this, so I, I had read it on Wednesday when we got home from the Talking Games podcast, and I liked this a lot. I liked it much more than issue one. I told you I want this to be on the show this week to talk about it, uh -huh. uh, so that you know we could see what's going on. Now you sat down and read it right before we recorded. What'd you think? Uh, I I liked it. Um, I think it's an interesting tale on, you know, the whole time travel story, like, cause everyone is so used to, you know, you go back in time, don't touch anything, you know, the whole butterfly effect, you're going to, yeah. you're going to crush something and then it's going to change the future. These guys don't give a fuck. Well, that's the thing is like, um, at the end of issue one, you know, the, the, the one guy, the, the, out of the two guys, the two jackasses, the good jackass kind of gets <laughs> lost in the time stream. And the Johnny Storm character wants to go save him, so he jumps in. He gets it, it ends with him getting shot in the knee uh, or the leg with an arrow, and then it picks up right there. And then he finds out that the people that were, uh, you know, he, when 
the first issue ends, he's looking forward. And that's where he gets shot in the hour from. But he doesn't realize the people on his back have SUVs and Jeeps and machine the people, guns. machine guns. So he comes to find that the guy he's looking for, his friend, has been living there for years and has just decided like, F it, I don't care. I'm just going to go hop around the time stream and get rich and make myself an emperor. He's the emperor of Japan. He's the pharaoh in Egypt. You know, he's the, the, like um, heading up, I, I guess, the, like the mobsters in the 20s. Uh -huh. He's like, I have nothing to go back to. Because in the first issue, they show his wife and everything. Like his wife had left him. And he's like, Why? I have no reason to go back. My dad, my I lost my dad. I lost my wife. Like, I'm just going to stay here and like have 45 different girlfriends. I love, and it, it's kind of cheesy, but the best part is is they have all this wealth and money yet they still feel the need to go cheat at roulette by like giving themselves the numbers the night before the winning numbers you see that's something i didn't even notice uh -huh. when you showed it to me tonight you know because i was just, I, I this book is like i i it's sean murphy so it's beautiful so i've been uh, taking in everything else but like they they're at the, the roulette table and they're actually waving to their older selves up on a balcony like hey thanks for those winning numbers from last night so like they don't care about the time stream yeah, they at have all. like billion dollar jets and stuff yet yet they're they're gonna make a couple of thousand bucks at the roulette table yeah Millions and <laughs> i mean it's great to just see like the hijinks that they get into from going back to the dinosaurs to, i mean there's a there's a thing here where in scott they're in scotland 13 for uh 13 14 and it's like, hey, how did you conquer the English so easily? And they go, tactics, my friend, just plain tactics. But they have tanks. So, they, I mean, they go back to the Bronx 530 million years ago. They go, they're, they're going to go see some other things that you could probably picture. Uh, so, like, I like this, like, this new concept. Because at the end of the first issue, you figure, all right, this is a we're lost in time kind of black science feeling. Where it's like, oh, the one guy might be lost, but we're looking, you know, he's looking for them. And then you figure, oh, nope, this kind of flips the book on its head. And the part that makes it real interesting is that um, they were still on TV the whole time. Like, that was the whole point of it was that people could see them go back in time. Uh, so now they're being chased by a government team who's like, we got to go, we got to go catch these guys. So now it's going to be like a real chase through time. Yeah, because I, I, I guess my guess is that the general public sees what assholes they are. So, oh, yeah. so there's a team that will be going after them uh, come next issue. So I, I, I liked the first issue, but I liked where this went much, much more. Yep. I, I, I'm like, I'm more excited to read the book now than I was after issue one. Nope. Same here. So let's get into something that I'm not super excited about, but you kind of helped me out in a little bit of a way. The next issue of convergence convergence. Number two, um, this is this is very interesting in the fact that uh, it's it's an Earth Two story. Um, I don't I don't know if this was supposed to be like a major DC event. I I think this was just something that they might have already had written or planned, and then they were like, okay, well, let's just use this to bridge bridge our stories because it's I mean now three issues in zero one two all earth two yeah and it's if for me who's not reading earth two or never has really read it like it is confusing as all hell to sit here and and, and read this um i don't understand any like I, I have the concept like after talking to you that you know earth two people lost their earth and everything but man this is this feels like a giant mess to me and like i want to like it and every issue i read i come my way and it's like i don't know if i should just keep reading this and 
be just bewildered at what's going on or just pick up after this is over. Cause I mean, there are like, there, there are such good ideas. Like it's such a great cover. Like you have Thomas Wayne. It's going to meet his son, Bruce. Like I saw this and I was like, wishy-washy. Then I saw the cover and I was like, I want to see this. Like, this is something like, this is like Peter meeting uncle Ben. Yep. Like I have to know what that's about. And it's done in the most disappointing fashion I can imagine. Yeah, you, you don't see a thing they say. Uh, it's narrated by someone else. Um, it's it's not even that it's not it's not even like what they say is narrated. It's like they meet, they take off their masks. Um, it's Alfred kind of talking to another Alfred, and then at the end, it's like, "Oh, your father, your father would be proud of you because I'm proud of you." And then uh, it's like, "Take care of yourself, Bruce. Take care of yourself, Thomas." Like, there's no interaction there between the two of them. It's like these two men who one put on the costume because his father died. One put on the costume because his son died. It's like, uh, I wanted to see them interacting like the best. I mean, they should have just left it alone and like left it, left that moment in time and flashpoint where, uh, the note, the note that the flashpoint, Bruce, uh, the flashpoint, Thomas, excuse me, writes to his son, Bruce, and the flash brings it back. And then Batman frames it and, and hangs it in the cave. But like this was like just the ultimate tease. It's like why uh -huh. even put them on the cover? They, they 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 spend less than a pat like two panels with each other. Yeah, it was Alfred talking to Dick. By the way, it's not oh. Alfred talking to another Alfred. But like, it was. No, no, it's. Let me see something here. Alfred and Dick. Yeah, but see here. Let me see. Let me see something for one quick second while we're going in here. Uh huh. It looks like Dick. It is. Uh, da, 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 da. He says something about Earl Earl Gray though. He said, "How do you know I like Earl Gray? Because he knows." Oh, his, yes, 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 know, yes. He knows his dick. <laughs> My mistake. Okay. No, I'm, I'm just, I don't want anyone to, to tweet at you and saying, it wasn't Alfred. You don't know what you're talking about. No, oh, I was like all excited. I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Because when I thought one Alfred was young, one Alfred was old, one Batman was young, one Batman was old. No, no, it's Grayson from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm gonna stick with it because I love the Earth Two stuff. Uh, what Tom Taylor did with that universe and James Robinson started, uh, and then what what it ended with, I thoroughly enjoyed. So I really, really hope that that this isn't just one of those bridges between the end of Earth Two World's End and you know the new Earth Two series. I don't know. Are you still questioning that it's? You know what? You I, no. I hear. Here's the panel that screwed me up. Is uh -huh. because you're right. That is Dick because he saw Barbara. But is everything all? He goes. Uh, our, the main Alfred goes. Is everything all right, sirs? And Bruce says, "Thank you, Alfred." Thomas says, "Alfred, we need to be on our way." And uh -huh. I thought that he was talking <laughs> he was to talking the other guy. Okay. I thought there were two Alfreds there that they were messaging because that is a weird way of writing it. Uh -huh. yep. All right. That makes. I, looking back at it now, obviously he saw the picture of Barbara, and you're right. Mm -hmm. So. I'm going to, I'm going to stick on it and hopefully pick up more. But you know, from what you said, if this is just an earth two event that they're using to bridge to whatever's going on next. And like, they decided to pull the rest of the DC universe into, it. I mean, they've done that. They've done stuff like this before other companies have like AVX took on a life of its own Axis took on a life of its own and took over the whole Marvel universe. Like that was supposed to be a closed event. So it's like, we've seen Marvel do this type of thing before. And, uh, I'm hopeful that it just, it, it gets better and, easier to understand for people who haven't been like heavy invested into dc yeah we'll see we also have a valiant book yeah another number one from valiant this is a uh, bloodshot reborn 
And this book was really good. It was, it was hilarious. Yes, it was. And I did not expect it at all. Like, uh, this is from Jeff Lemire. So this is Jeff Lemire's Valiant book. He had written uh, The Valiant, which we had talked about that miniseries a couple of weeks ago that ended uh, with Geomancer K dying uh, in Bloodshot's arm and, uh, arms. And before she does, uh, she heals him and takes out the nanites that was making him indestructible. But by doing that, we see it didn't actually fix all the problems. Like he has his memories back now and he remembers killing, he says hundreds, if not thousands of people. Uh And that bothers him. He looks like, you know, he's doing that, that, that loner thing that you see in comic books a lot where it's like, I don't know where to go. So let me just go to a small town in Colorado and pick up a job doing, you know, maintenance uh-huh. on some sort of hotel, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's like a hotel. And uh, so myself in drugs and booze. And then see a cartoon version of myself and the Geomancer K who died. Uh-huh. And that's funny because that's Jeff Lemire who drew, drew the, the cartoon part. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, could so t- you could so tell it. It's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could definitely tell. It looks just like Sweet Tooth. Uh-huh. Um. I thought it was beautiful. Um, the tone is great. It's just got, you know, you could tell, you could tell how depressed the dude is. Um, and you feel from, you know, you want him to get these memories out of his, out of his system. You know, he's hallucinating. He's seeing, he's seeing her in her, in his memory still. Uh, he just doesn't want to deal with any of it. So that's why he is, he's, he's taking all these drugs and drinking himself to, to just go to sleep at night. Yeah. Um, and he must have still, still, still have some of the abilities because he doesn't wake up with a hangover. Um, but at the end of the book, you know, he, you know, there's, there's a masker going on and it looks like that somebody's imitating him, uh, the bloodshot because they call him the red circle killer. And, you know, he realizes that he still has a, a purpose. Like he has to, he has to do something to, to help people. And, you know, maybe, get himself on the path to redemption. My guess is that that's what this whole storyline is going to be, is that there's going to be multiple like bloodshot imitators because in the preview art for, for another issue, issue three, I guess that is. There's another one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just another different bloodshot guy. So yeah, he's probably going to go around and clear up all these imitators and you know, another, another valiant number one. That's pretty simple to jump into. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ninja, Ninjak was as well. Easy pickup. Um, I I, I enjoyed this. Out, yeah, man. the kid. The, the kid. Well, the, he talks about this kid who creeps him out. This little kid. You know, like it's a kid. It can't really creep you out. And then there's a page here. Yeah, he creeps me. And he out. creeps me out. He looks like Chucky. Yeah, he does. No, um, that's Chucky. definitely a design. Uh, but yeah, like I, I like this. Like, I, I couldn't get into Bloodshot before when he had his his series running. Uh, an early Valiant stuff. Um. And I gave the rest of it a try, but I just could not get into it at all. But this, this was good. Like I, I'm excited. I, 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 I like Jeff Amir a lot. So I was going to read this no matter what, and I'm definitely going to stick with it. Yep. And uh, hopefully more people do and get volumes numbers up. Yes. Uh, next we have something from Marvel. It really wasn't a big week for Marvel. It was weird. Yeah, it was a small week. Uh, so we have the next issue of Thor and the fight with uh, the destroyer. The destroyer goes on and on and, and she's she's having troubles, but she's holding her own. Um, yeah, I think this is one of the most beautiful books on the stands. Dowderman is amazing. Uh, it, it without a doubt is definitely one of the most beautiful books on the stands. I mean, the color. Who's the colorist of this book? I shall tell you. It's, it's Matthew, Matthew Wilson. Wilson. He does a lot of stuff. I think mm-hmm. he does. Um, if I'm if I'm correct, 
he does uh what's that book the image book um with the gods why is it, why why is it slipping my head i know the i know the name of the first volume was the faust act uh the wicked and the divine oh okay he does the coloring for that i think as well i'll have to look at that just to make sure but it is a i'm i'm, I'm almost positive uh it is a it's a gorgeous looking book i mean russell datterman's art is his pencils are terrific it brings it it brings like a nice sense of change from what was coming before. It was Isad Ribic on the book before. Mm-hmm. And the first pencils I saw from Datterman were fantastic. I, I want to see him doing more stuff, but I definitely want to see him continue with this character. The, the, the funniest page out of the whole thing. Uh, Malekith is sitting up there and he's like, you know, I, they see all the, the worlds they can travel to. All the realms. Uh, yeah. And and he's like, you know, c- can you just come help me kill some, <laughs> some, some elves? Oh, some elves. Oh, yeah. And it's just him like, Zoom in, yeah. It's him just prancing around, uh, killing people, and it's beautiful. Doing Malekith things. Yeah, I, I want, I want more. It seems like this was this a little bit late. I think it was a week, week off. Um, but still, next issue we're gonna have our reveal. Even though we know, we kind of know who it is, or, 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 I mean, they're dropping some serious hints. Yeah, and and this issue especially, I, I don't want to. Sp- spoiled this part oh come on we got it we got we got to talk about this part why okay okay so if if you're reading thor and uh you don't want to know who we think it is <laughs> no we, we it's not it's not officially announced so we could talk about it they okay. hint very heavily that it's Roz. yes they pretty much show her standing next to the hammer um there is a uh, a key to it later, like you know, a couple weeks later. Now you have Thor battling the Destroyer, and they, they mention that you know Roz took that flying car up to the moon. They find the car near where the hammer was, mm-hmm. um, and it's almost one of those things where you're like, okay, they're really pushing hard and and dropping all these hints. So that maybe if, it's not if, if they're going to do a turnaround, then that they're going to have to have some good reasoning behind it. Yeah, because I, I think this is just showing how as a normal shield liaison she could hold her own you know she's kicking ass oh yeah uh absolutely taking taking out all these roxon agents and and escaping um so she could totally hold her own without the hammer um and with the hammer you know you know what i like about this book so much is that she's not just thor like a female thor like she does things with the hammer that he can't do and like she gets a really good example a really good example of this is that the destroyer picks up the hammer and is using it against her and she is getting her ass beat. Uh, but she says she, there's a really good line here. I'm looking for, um, that will be the last time you ever strike me with my own hammer. Uh, and it's shaking. Like she gets it to shake. And we had seen before her use the hammer as a projectile where she's directs it where it wants to go. And that's what she does here is that, the destroyer is holding onto it and then she just starts flinging him all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then she calls down the lightning to like really do some serious damage. And, uh, she gets it back at the end and then she kisses it in good hammer. I mean, that, it, that, that kiss is hilarious. Yeah. This book, like, it, it ends like this, it says to be concluded. And, uh, at the end it's the destroyer and, you know, or is a cull that has come down. It's pretty much cull, um, Thor's uncle controlling the destroyer. And Thor brings an entire legion of women to come help her fight. Um, there's some, you know, obvious choices here: Sith and Angela and Freya, uh, Valkyrie. But then there's some like wild choices in the back too, like Black Widow and Captain Marvel and Spider Woman. Like, yeah, it, it it makes some of that doesn't make any sense of why they're there. But hey, 
it looks beautiful. So why not? Uh, cause a lot of people, I think it's <laughs> a lot of these people are people that everyone was guessing was going to be the new Thor. So, yeah. And it's none of them. <laughs> yeah. The only person that, that they had guessed that's not here is Jane Foster. Okay. That's the only one, but they, they feel like they crossed Jane Foster off the list unless that was just a, a big, you know, look, no, o- look over here. We have to explain. Yeah. That one if, if they go for it. Uh, so, I mean, this is, this is probably my second favorite Marvel book. Um, it, it's, it's been terrific ever since Jason Aaron took over it. If you haven't read, if you haven't read when Jason Aaron took over that Thor run, the God butcher, and uh, what came after that it was Malekith's arc that came after that. Yeah, it was and 25 issues. The Galactus stuff that came after. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's some of the best stuff Thor I've God read. Thunder, yeah. Yeah. Thor God of Thunder. Like, I'm not, I was not a Thor fan at all. I, I could not ever get into the character. And when Aaron took over the book, I'm like, it was during Marvel now. And I'm like, I'll give it a shot. And it became one of my favorite books. Um, the art in there was fantastic. Uh, and, um, you know, he, he transitions to female Thor. Uh, really well and she's now a great character that i don't ever want to see go away like i i want their way to be two thors um well that that's another great thing about the end of the book is is uh let's see but 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 you know thor comes through the 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 odinson yeah yeah and he doesn't even mention the name thor like he doesn't he could have easily called himself thor no, okay, uh-huh. yeah, he's calling himself the Odinson, and he had said that in one of the previous issues. Like, no, Correct. you are yeah. Thor, I'm the Odinson. Yeah, so he's he's totally accepting. Yeah, of that, her that the mantle is is being passed over. So I'm fine with her sticking around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, another quick one that we're going to talk about really fast is uh, I thought this week's Uncanny X Men was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of winding down on a lot of these series. Like a lot of them are going to be going away with the whole Secret Wars thing. Uh, a big Bendis fan, the both of us are. Um, but this is this was a great issue because it deals with the you know at the end of the I think it was an issue or two ago. Scott, you know, it, it's always been uncanny in all new X Men that Bendis has been writing, and Scott decides he's no longer fit to lead uh, his school, so he leaves them in care of the uh, Jean Grey school. And Magic is so upset with everything that's happening, she teleports away and takes Kitty Pride with her. And this issue is just where they go. It's standalone. It's a one-issue thing, and they go to Monster Island uh, to yeah, help out so great. to help out a new mutant. Yeah, like honestly, you don't have to have read any nope. anything. You could read this prior. just you on its just own. Pick it up and read it. Uh, Chris Anka does the art, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and you know, it's Bendis. You're getting a lot of interplay between the characters. You're getting a lot of talking, and these are two people who have been friends. But you know, Magic is not the easiest person to be friends with. Yeah. She's kind of terrifying. And Kitty is the opposite of that. And I mean, there are parts in here where Kitty is like, says something and magic is like, you know, that hurts my feelings. And Kitty's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just a beautiful, like one shot story. Uh, I thought the end of it was pretty funny um, uh, with some of the stuff that you run into with uh, Nightcrawler and Storm. The Storm part was yeah, great. Was, uh, yeah. It was really <laughs> good. Favorite student. Yeah. Uh, I, give this a shot like if you if you haven't been reading any x-men and you, you know you want to jump in and just grab like a just a nice to read issue uh Un- uncanny x-men 33 is definitely that issue yeah <clears throat> uh next finally you have the second issue of sabrina now this took about six months to come out and yeah that took a while i oh, forgot that book was in existence it was absolutely insane 
Um, honestly, you can kind of just pick this up and not have to have picked up the first issue because this feels like it's the start of something anyway. Yeah. I mean, the, the first, I, actually, I think they do kind of need to read the first issue. Like I had forgotten so much of what happened in the beginning, but they reference stuff that happened in that first issue. Like they explain it, but Trust I me, do. I, I went back and read it. Oh, you did read and it. And then I read this. You, you could easily just pick this up. Um, to me, it feels like one of those old EC horror comics. Okay. Um, just the way that, even the way that the, 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 the text and the art, um, it is a, a unique looking book uh, for sure. I don't know any book that looks like this. It has this color palette. Um, I just love uh, just how everything is almost over explained to a sense. You know, like, I get that. Yep. Let's say like when the old lady was put into the, the slumber spell, like it could have just ended there, but then it's continued on. Like, you know, she she stays there for the rest of her life and she you know continues to dream that she wants to be a movie star and she's acting in this movie with her favorite actor you know it just it gives it gives more information um on on what's going on and you know just doesn't just stop um i i love it it just has such a great feel to the book and it is horror make no mistake about it this is a horror book um, um it it deals with the town of Salem and witches and uh, covens of witches. And it is bloody and gory. Um, and it's, it, it, it's un, almost unsettling in a way. Like it, it's one of those books that leave you and you're like, Ooh, like this is, this is a bit of like un, unnerving in a way. Yeah, definitely. That's why I liken it to, to one of those old EC books um, because that that's how it was. You would read one of those stories and you know, I mean, there were some of those I read and I would not want to go outside afterwards because... <laughs> See, that doesn't seem fun to me. Oh, well, that's why I don't like horror stuff. Yeah, I don't but, like horror stuff either. But man, Archie Comics, killing it with, with their horror line. Um, I, you know, I highly recommend this. Now, hopefully it doesn't take six months for the next issue to come No, out. They, they kind of reference it in the back. Well, uh, did, they, did they give a reason for it? No, but... Like, you hey, sorry, saying, guys, like this. Oh, Acolytes of Darkness. It's been far too long since we last spoke. There are uh, a myriad of reasons for the delay between our debut and the issue you're currently holding in your hands, both foreseeable and unforeseeable, but none are excusable. So let me begin by apologizing for the hold up. Okay. So, you know, they, they're kind of they're sincere about it. All right. So, uh, but the next book that I quickly want to talk about is The Tithe from uh, Top Cow and Image. This has a very, very interesting uh, concept. It's kind of like a heist movie, but it deals with the mega churches. Yep. Um, you know, you have these mega churches that are that are just cash cows, basically, just bringing in millions. Yeah, exactly. That's what a tithe is. Um, and so now you have these Robin Hood type criminals that started off just electronically effing with churches to take that money and give it to proper charities. Um, then you have an FBI squad going after those hackers. And now that they can't do it electronically anymore because they have an agent who's way too good on, with computers to, you know, to even mess with. Yeah, exactly. So now they have to physically go into these churches and, and steal cash. Um, so, Problem. Yeah, it, it's it's a heist. It's a heist book. 
Um, and it, it deals with these churches. And uh, the, what I liked about it was, uh, you know, usually you have a heist and then the police are like, oh, like, um, you know, we'll, we'll take your statement. And we'll, we'll catch these guys. The thing is, like, the FBI knows that these these guys are only hitting corrupt churches. So it's like, oh, you you guys get hit. You guys better lawyer up yeah. and like get ready because you're all probably going to jail. But like and it, it, it was interesting because the uh, one of the agents is in contact with them with the team that's doing it. And it's like, you know, they're kind of toying with him in a, in a way, but in a way he admires what they're doing. Like he appreciates the fact that they're, they're taking down the, these people who are in a way, steal, like completely stealing uh -huh. the, the public's money. And uh, yeah, he definitely appreciates it, but he's pissed because he was already going after those churches to get them shut down by the proper channel yeah, legally. So, and they're kind of circumventing that. Correct. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, even if you're like uh, kind of religious, it, it doesn't just go and trash on religion. So it doesn't. You don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, I I liked it. Cool. What do you want to end with, Justin? Uh, we're going to end with a book that you really like that I was kind of iffy on for a while, uh, and that's Spider-Man and the X-Men. Uh -huh. uh, this took the place of Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, this is issue five. I've read all four issues, and I've been like, Eh, wishy-washy on it like some parts are funny some parts aren't like it's so the, the basic premise is that spider-man is now a teacher at the gene gray school and that of course because it's spider-man all the teachers hate him for some reason and forget that he's teamed up with them like hundreds of times. times that's how it always is i know it's just the dumbest thing in the world but you know like it's, it's you have storm and and rachel summers just being a complete jerks to him but he takes on the class uh, that, I mean, if you're a longtime X-Men fan and you read some of, um, oh, what was it? Uh, some all new X-Men from Morrison. Um, and then some stuff that came after that with, that uh, happened in, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Wolverine and the X-Men. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's this misfit class of students that like nobody else really wants. They're like, they're, they're, they're the outsiders of the outsiders, uh -huh. you know? You know? So he becomes their professor, and the first arc was them running around, um, getting stuck in the Savage Land uh, without it actually being in the Savage Land. I think they, they turned Staten Island into the Savage Land. <laughs> yes. uh, but this book deals with them. Um, you know, it, it, it's a continuation of, of a previous issue where uh, Spider-Man and Beast are having a science fair, and they're having like a science competition. And I forget exactly what happens, but they end up uh, with uh, symbiotes everywhere mm -hmm. and so they have to like shut them down and they there, there's a portal that they can go they can go to that'll bring them to a space station where sword is um and uh they, they go through there and this book is hilarious it is I like mean, this this is where the, the book changed for me and actually got funny uh-huh i love spider-man's like interactions with firestar because, oh yeah because it does it harkens back to like the old spider-man and the amazing friends cartoon they yeah. kind of like almost make fun of it um there there was a line in here that i sent you that i liked so here, much I, it's right here no it's right here oh, there it is. so they they go through this portal and uh the, he says like rock slide like uh, like find a way to protect the gate or we can't let them use the bamf gate so they're, they're like they're trying to figure a way to turn it off so rock slide just smashes it in half and then it's like now we're stuck here with no backup and none of us have flame or sonic powers and he's like oh geez sorry boss i can't believe i killed everybody again <laughs> It's like it's for, perfect, yeah. It's just like uh, just a, a funny thing, and what Spider-Man quips right back at him is great. Um, you know, playing off of the fact that everybody hates him. It, it's like this book is like it, to me like this was the this was the, the issue that I needed 
I needed from this title to get me really invested in it and more about the, about these characters and the humor. And yeah. like Spider-Man's been searching um, for a mole in the organization, uh, in the school. Uh-huh. And uh, that's what Wolverine has asked him to do, but none of the, the other teachers know it. Yeah. And at the end, they reveal who the mole is and who the, who the mole's working for. It's ridiculous, but, you know, it's ridiculous in, like, a fun way. That's It's one of those, you know, fun, silly Marvel books. It's not supposed to be It's not. Yeah, it's not supposed to be serious in, in any way. But you know what? Like, this is kind of what I needed to read at the moment I needed to read it. And, uh-huh. like, maybe at the other times it was like I was looking for something else when reading it. But this particular issue happened to be just at the right time. So do you think... If you go back with that mindset, I could probably get or read the other ones and pick out stuff. Like I, I read the other ones. I gave it a fair chance. It's just like nothing like just grabbed it about me. And p- maybe it was because they were dealing with symbiotes and like, that's a big Spider-Man thing. No, I'm telling you, dude, you're going to go back uh, and, and you're going like, to find at least two or three moments in each of those books. Cause each, each has gotten like an, a guffaw out of me. So I know exactly what that sound sounds like from you. Yeah, that's well, the best part. I did it multiple times tonight so uh so that that wraps up um books of the week um <laughs> books of the, that's all we talked about oh that's right well we <laughs> talked about trailers no i know i know well, that wraps up that wraps up the show Dude. how's that that better books of the week is a different show whatever it's our books of the week i don't know what else to call it they can't okay. trademark everything okay stay tuned for the lightning round oh god <laughs> okay we're just gonna t- we're just gonna take over and let's not do that. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you guys uh, for the positive feedback. Um, we really look forward to doing this. We're five we're five in now. We think we're we're finally hitting our stride. Um, reach out to us if there's anything that you guys uh, want us to read. Like, tweet us, talk to us, let us know um, what you think of the show, what you're reading that you like. Mm-hmm. If you disagree and you think Convergence is the best thing ever, please tell us. Please tell me. So that way I can like get on board and, and fully understand what's going on because like the both of us really like comics and we try not to be overly negative. Um, if we don't like something, we're not going to try and, and like bash bash it down. Um, I know lots of other websites like we just saw we saw an article right before from Kotaku that was like a Batman comic about uh, a story about Batman meeting his dad shouldn't be this bad and it's like I don't I don't think that's particularly helpful uh, for the median uh, medium and. Uh, we, 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 want, we want to do something different. We want to try and find the best of everything. So if you like something that we don't like, talk to us about it. Make, help us come around on it. There's plenty of books that I've given other chance, a second chance to, third chance to. I'm sure, Rob, the same thing where you know we look at it in different light and it, it takes on a whole new meaning. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, thank you. So uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, let's get do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we're Backup Stories on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Jorok, J-O-R-O-A-K. And I'm at Dusk 1020. You evil bastard. Mm-hmm. Uh, every week we are on the uh, Talking Games podcast uh, with uh, Steve Say and Jackie Turner, who is actually sleeping to our left. Hi, Jackie. Oh, she waves. Yay. Fantastic. Um, reach out to us there. Uh, we had a, a great discussion this week on Bloodborne. Um, what, what else did we talk about? We Bastion. talked about Titan Souls, Bastion, a couple other games, Mortal Kombat. Yep. Uh, so definitely check that out. And uh, you could reach us at all those places. So that's going to do it, guys. Until next week, take care.